Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. everybody welcome back to another episode of the 23 personnel podcast i'm your host spencer joined by michael hello everybody or should i say saddle up y'all when you come to west texas saddle up you come to west texas folks saddle up you're gonna go on a Just had to do that. Yeah. It's time for football. We got a lot of football news, so we just we just want to go right in and set the set the tone. So well first, before we talk any football. Ah, okay. Stranger Things. You a fan? Definitely a fan. You're caught up I season am, three? I am caught up. I have seen all of season three all the way up to it. What about you? Yes. We we finished it like the weekend it came out. Yeah, um, so so did we, or so did I. So if you haven't caught up, skip ahead to you here is talking about football, because <laughs> I have a really important question to ask Michael, and oh. you've got you've got five seconds. Oh, okay, all right, guys, this is for real. We're entering Stranger Things spoiler zone. Let's go. Is Hopper dead? I don't know. They mentioned the American. The American and the Russian prison, right? Right. And some of the theories and then, I've read online say that he may have been transported when the, uh, oh, I forget. The, that machine. Well, not when it closed up. When the rift the or door, whatever. The door. Sorry, I couldn't think of the what gate. word they used. The gate or the door. When it closed, that it pulled him in it and he popped out on the other side <laughs> in Russia. That's one of the theories floating around. So that's a theory. Something I what what really caught me first was right when that thing blew up, the machine, whatever. Very specific. It showed the the Russians still in the room get vaporized. Yeah, but you didn't see Hopper. That's like rule number one of if any they didn't sort. Show, the people in the same room. He wasn't shown dying. Even if they show the dead body, you still have to question it on shows like this. But especially the fact that there is no body, there was no body shown, right. then all bets are off. Anything could be happening next. So my first thought was that that wall that was created, like he couldn't go back over as the machine was disintegrating after he killed the Russian dude on it. You know how it like started to break down and had that like wall? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was like, well, maybe that, because that was at the front side of the machine. Maybe that protected him. And like he was later, like he was still injured or hurt, whatever, but he was found by the Russians still down there or whatever. I don't and think he was so. taken back. I feel I, like I also uh, heard he, he could have gone in while the gate was still open to protect himself. 
because he knew like how to like he was aware of it being possible to come back out of it. But I feel done. like Joyce would have seen something too. Was her saucer really bright? Yeah, when she was trying to stretch her <laughs> short little arms to yeah. turn two keys. Turn your key. I forgot Which, what movie that's off of, but. Well, here's the thing. Turn the two like, keys. If, if they're supposed to be two keys turned, they shouldn't be within arm's reach of an average-sized woman. That defeats the purpose. They should They should be across <laughs> the room. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Sorry. Um, hey, so, okay. What was the timestamp? Uh, I don't remember. Like 1.37 or something. Well, I mean, something. four minutes. Four yeah, minutes. we're at four minutes now. Okay. Okay. We'll try to put that in the notes. That Okay. Welcome back, everybody. The Stranger Things spoiler alert is now over. At four minutes. Yeah. We're good. So, NFL Hall of Fame game. We're going to just jump right into football. Cool. Is next Thursday, August 1st. Starting then, there will be football every weekend until the Super Bowl in February. Hmm. Unless... Who plays, who plays in Canton? Who plays uh, in that it's one like this the, year? It's like Denver and somebody. I, I'll look it up real quick. Um, unless you consider the XFL... If you do, then football will be con- stretched out all the way into like May. Do they start the week after the Super Bowl? I think so. That's bold. So, NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame game, Atlanta Falcons, Denver Broncos. Face off Thursday, August 1st at 8 p.m. I want to... Uh, there's, Football's there's a, back, baby. There's a guy I follow on Twitter who's a Broncos fan, and he tweeted something. There was a photo of Joe Flacco... And he's, he seems kind of, he seems skinnier. He seems like he's lost some weight and he's grown, he's grown a full on beard and he looked really kind of sullen (laughs) in that photo. And I think they, he lured to him something kind of like, uh, he likes the dark gritty Joe Flacco reboot. So uh, maybe we could see how that turns out in Canton when he plays for how how much do the starters play? Is it kind of like a? I don't. I haven't watched. You, I haven't watched a Hall of Fame. Game I don't think forever. I've ever watched a Hall of Fame game. I know the Cowboys played in one not too ago. many years yeah. ago. I but wonder then, if it's the same thing. Where yeah. if if it were the Cowboys, Prescott would play the first series, maybe the first two series, and that'd be that. But still, you get to watch your Cowboys. That's right. Um, the most valuable team in sports. In the world. In the world. I saw that the other day. It, the Cowboys are number one. Yankees are number two. What blows my mind, though. Is it like a like a European soccer team, three? Oh, well, yeah, there's there's a few soccer teams on there, and that doesn't surprise me, just the global aspect of it. But coming in at number nine. Nine? Golden State Warriors. <laughs> the ninth most valuable sports franchise, sports franchise on planet Earth. Is it Which, because all their like recent success? That's what I would like to go back and see where they were about seven Spikes. to ten years ago, <laughs> if they would have even crapped, cracked the top fifty. <laughs> they would have do- crapped I, the bed. I'm doing a good job with words so far. Words are good. Um, so yeah, football, footy, footy, football is Man, back for a, for a long time till possibly Cinco de Mayo, at if, least February. If you follow, if, if you don't follow the XFL, if you get just burned out or. or not burned out. If you're just a degenerate and have to have football longer, you don't like baseball or, or basketball, then yeah, you can follow it all the way through May through spring practice. Um, fall camp for Texas tech, I think officially starts on the second. That was something Matt Wells said, like they're going to, I don't know if that's when they start ramping their, their workouts back up and not 10, not 10, like a, like a practice, but they, they 
come back together and start preparing for fall camp. But that's next week as well. We are only a couple of weeks away before we go back into our once a week format. Actually, twice a week. Well, we'll start once a week first. Yeah. And then we'll bring you a preview episode and then an instant reaction episode. I know. That's going to be happening State, before we know it. It's coming up, man. I don't know what kind of preview we can do for Montana State, but it's coming. It's going to be in depth. You guys. So in depth. You guys, I'm sure y'all expect nothing but but the best. Of course. Um. All right. All right. I, I think we've put it off too long. I think it's time for some. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. College football, what do you say? I'm ready. This is, I just, this brings you right back in the fall. I'm ready. The, the, Reese Davis is talking right now. Brent Musburger's in there somewhere again. <laughs> um, we're coming at you live from Tuscaloosa Game Day or yeah. whatever. There's a Kirk Herb Street somewhere. Times Square for whatever reason. Yeah, it's football, man. Downtown Fort Worth. I'm so excited. I, I it like snuck up on me. I just can't wait. Can't wait. That was a that's a rough drop. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so last week, Big 12 Media Days happened. Texas Tech went on the first day with Kansas, Oklahoma State, and a few others. I don't remember exactly. Um, did you watch any of that coverage? Did you kept up or I, I did get I, caught up? Later on, I watched the the press conference, or not the press conference, but Matt Wells' Uh, section up there. I guess it is a press conference. Yep. So, of course he did he did fine. Are you good with that? My my cat is hanging out here no, and he fine. just he just made a bed out of uh Spencer's backpack. That's that's kind of his thing. He likes to lay on things that aren't really beds. Especially clean laundry. That's fine. It's anyway, it's not my clean laundry, so. <laughs> if you're good with that, we'll keep rolling. Uh but he he did well, of course. That's it said a lot of the things that those of us paying attention to the program had kind of heard him say before. So I, I have to ask you. So you watched the the Matt Wells press conference. I did. There was a, te- a former Texas Tech student that's now working for some media outlet. I think uh, 
Oh, Big 12 country. What was that called? Something like that. Heartland. Heartland Sports, I yeah. think. Um, he made an ass of himself and asked a really stupid question. Um, sorry, it wasn't a bad question, but like he he took it was a stance. A jab. He took a stance in his question, like, well, as a journalist, you don't do that. No, the question wasn't totally trash, but the gist of his question was, how how do you, Matt Wells, re-energize a fan base, right? Um, but the the position he took was. After Texas Tech fired its most successful coach of all time, they've seen a decade of really bad football. Yeah, and he named What do the, you do to fix that? Right. He <laughs> named the records too. You know, Mike Leach went thirty one and ten or whatever at against home. Big twelve Big, opponents at home and since then the it's been like tw- ten and twenty. It was almost it was almost inverse yeah. of what Leach did. And so he made a point to say Leach's name, his record versus the other guys, and then how how do you get a fan base excited after a decade of losing. Yes, I that's what a decade of losing at home. It. Because he has a valid question to just say, if he threw out all the stuff at the beginning and just said, or even if he just said text record, I could kind of see that. That would kind of be a jab. Or, if, But I really or, think the way to ask it would have been, Tech has had, uh, over the last several seasons, Tech has had a lot of trouble winning Big 12 games at home. How do you reignite a fan base that's, um, you know, seen? I, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm, so I I, I'm I can't remember the journalist. I can't remember the exact um, the exact team it was, but I, I think it was in response to this question. We looked it up, and it was the last non-Kansas home win. I think I think it was Kansas State in like 2015. Yeah, it's been a long time. We are we haven't aware. beat anybody except for Kansas at home. So it's like we're very aware of this. But like he had a name drop leech. Yeah. And his record, and then say since Leach, since Tech fired Leach, was like, why do you have, you're, why are you grinding that axe at a Big Twelve media day? Yeah, with a brand new coach who has yet to <laughs> even coach a game. He doesn't even have his headset broken in yet. Oh, he might. Well, he might. That's true. <laughs> he wears it everywhere. <laughs> um, and then say, you know, it, it. In my mind, it's it's fine that he still referenced the the past decade record. He could have said, "Over sure. the past decade, Tech has gone ten and twenty five. Yeah, because that's a fact. It's a subtle jab, sure, but like it's not like after my boy Leach was fired. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But so that, that was kind of a, a troll question. I, I thought so and too. He, he answered it very gracefully. He did. He he did an excellent job with it. Yeah, but I was. I was not impressed with that part. So yeah. if y'all watch, if y'all go back and if you didn't get the chance to watch the video. I think it was about 11 minutes in when that butte, about halfway through when yeah. that butte get in, uh, gets asked and Wells um, handles it like a pro. Cause he is a pro. Yeah. And then the next day to that Tuesday night, um, we as corporate sponsors of Texas tech athletics were invited to, um, an event. Michael sadly couldn't make it. Keith could, he, he went with me. Oh, cool. Um, it was an, like they had a Q and a type session, with uh geo as a moderator but they, they didn't take any questions from the audience um but he, he and he and wells spoke for about 15 20 minutes and then they opened it up uh and let people come up and meet wells and take pictures with them um it was really funny he said right when they ended the q a and before they went into the pictures like guys i've got like i've got a team dinner at my house with like 30 student athletes coming and like if i'm not home and 30 minutes, whatever it was. It was like, my wife is going to give me like a serious side eye. So we, <laughs> we got to keep the comment short. 
which was kind of funny. But but I saw I think he, I saw tweets of that. Yeah, it was, was kind of like well, I, I, I he actually appreciate was, that. But I mean, he went tweets home, of him at the dinner. Yeah, with, he went home and house. took pictures with the, the team out front of his house, like like they've done for other position groups. Well, and they they. One thing, I, I don't know if it was you who pointed out, but someone pointed out that he mixes up position groups. Yeah. so Usually like offense and defense. There was a, I think the one he was going to was like wide receivers and linebackers. Something like that. Um, if it wasn't linebackers, it was defensive backs. But it was definitely yeah. guys on the opposite side of the ball that may not interact with each other as much. Mm-hmm. Um, Wells also said that it was intentional that he took three defensive players to the one offensive player with him to Big 12 Media Days. We like a very subtle trying to change the the mentality of like at Texas Tech we have defense and all that kind of stuff which is something we've been talking about for a decade <laughs> right plus this is not something that was unique unique to Delville or, or Kingsbury um but yeah so at the end of the event uh I, I had to go and, and go pick up Grayson before daycare closed and it lined up right about the time that Wells was going to leave so I I have to walk past Wells photo booth basically <laughs> on the way out as I walk up there's nobody in line and he's shaking the hands of the last person who's about to leave him so I'm like great I'll just I'll just hop right in and like just walk yeah. on my way out so he ends up talking like he, he he wraps up with this guy the ladies he was with offers to take a picture he's like no it's fine I just want to talk to him for, for a second it, it feels weird like to grab a photo with I don't know it just yeah it's, I, like, it's I not my know. it's not my thing it's not my thing either um but yeah, I don't so, mind it when people do. I just it's it's no, not my no, thing. Yeah, it's, it's it's fine. It's just not something I was interested in. Yeah. So I, I got to talk to him for I don't know maybe a minute before I, I was like, okay, I I don't want to hold you up anymore. I, you can go, basically. But I, I I just I told him that we as a fan base, mostly you know the people that I interact with are excited that he's here, that we appreciate him being visible at other athletic events and being and doing these kind of events. With yeah. a smile, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't go into that detail. I was like, we're, we're excited, to, you know, that you're here. We're, we're so, so appreciative that you're doing these kind of things for the fan base and get us all, you know, with you, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and then he asked me, like, you know, what do I do and where do I work? And he thanked me for being a sponsor. I was like, well, it's not my money, but you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, you know, I shook his hand. I leave. And I get to the door and I turn around because I, I, I can tell somebody's behind me. I turn around just to hold the door for the person behind me. And it's Wells. Mm-hmm. We end up walking out the building together. So he wasn't followed by anybody. It was just me and him walking out. So I got another like 15, 20 seconds of chatting with him. Like, oh, hey, so uh, so what do you think of um, Brock so, Purdy? Or so what what's, that, uh, <laughs> what's your touchdown play? Because we know that Arizona State and Kalen Balaj have a touchdown play. Yeah. Uh, so I, I went back and watched the highlights, air quotes, of that game. Five of his touchdowns came on that play four went to the right and the one that went left was an actual it was a called counter everybody moved right but his two blockers and Bellage went left it was intended to do that and that was touchdown number four of his five rushing so on the fifth one where they kind of reset tech's defense to get him more balanced he went right again <laughs> anyways this is brutal um other news for media day we heard that Kashan. Carter has been moved to an outside receiver position. Yeah. That's interesting because he's not like the typical body type that you would think. Right. Especially when you hear that Seth Collins was moved to the inside. Yeah. That is kind of interesting. Because Keyshawn Carter, I think the closest I could compare him to just recent memory would be Jakeem Grant. 
he, he's maybe probably a little, a little taller. Yeah, so I, but I'm he's thinking a really, more like, like he's a um, really quick guy. That's not, you know, he's not your six four wide out. Yeah, over there. I'm thinking like a mix between Cam Batson and JD on high. Okay, okay. So that like five ten. Yeah, five eleven. Cam maybe. Batson's probably a good one. That's probably better. And then Seth Collins, who's what six two six three. I think so. He's an yeah. inside receiver, so you may see him as more of that hybrid, like not not moving to Seth Collins as a tight end, but put him in that same kind of position that a stand-up tight end would be in. I just wonder if Carter's speed's going to help him on the outside, if that's why they think he's, um, you know, yeah. why that makes sense. He Maybe he can get past some defenders, get behind them. Yeah. And then we ha- heard some unfortunate news that Justice Parker received a one-year NCAA suspension, and as a senior, that means his career at Texas Tech is done. He's exhausted his... Appeal eligibility. Oh yeah, he had a because this was actually this has been ongoing since April, which could explain you know when some of some of y'all pointed out a a little bit of lackluster effort in the the spring games. It was a weird spring game though. I just I just (laughs) wonder if this was if if he just learned about this and knew that this was probably about the end of it. I don't, you know, I don't want to speculate on all that, but just the timing of it could possibly have something to do with it. But yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate. I hate it for the kid. Um, I'm sure he was, I mean, he posted it on Twitter. He was very open about it. He, he admitted that he messed up. He admitted he was trying to do something to gain weight and he took something he shouldn't have. Yep. It was just very straightforward with it. So, I mean, hats off to him for that. And, you know, thanks for, Thanks for being a Red Raider. Thanks for, thanks for making that us. game ceiling interception in Austin. <laughs> yeah, but say thanks for helping us win against Texas. Yeah, you know, I, I just hate that it went down this way for him. Uh, I really do, and you know that all happened right before Schultz started posting all these, <laughs> all these guys that have gained fifty pounds in six months, and you're kind of like, oh man, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I want to <laughs> read about this right now. I wonder what Justice Parker's before and after picture looked like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sorry, uh, yeah. not to make light of it, but it does make you think like, well, I hope these, I'm sure, I'm sure everything's above the board. Everything's fine. Everything's great. But you, Everything, we just had a guy, fine. This is fine. we just had a guy get, you know, violate a rule and it ended his career as a collegiate athlete. So I'm, I'm kind of a little bit nervous on these before and after photos. Then the other thing that we, we learned from big Big 12 media days where there were some changes to the college football rules. I know five in particular. And I want to get your, your take on these. So I, I don't know if you read these or not, but I will present them. I want you to react. Okay. So in targeting, there were three big changes. So when there's a targeting call made on the field, all, all those go to review in the past, the call could stand. Right, and the player would still would not get ejected, but would still have the penalty enforced. Yeah. Kind of like weird, unsportsmanlike penalty or something. Yeah, it was strange. Now, um, all elements of targeting must be present in the review; otherwise, it will be overturned. All right. So, it from my reading, it doesn't sound like there would be a stand. No, it would just be there's, there's there was no targeting. There's not second and eight yeah. or whatever it's you know whatever it's going to be. Speaking of elements, they added an element to the targeting. So I, I think there were three. Now there's four. And it's a, quote, attacking. 
it's meant to look at the intent of the player making contact. So where there were some targeting fouls that occurred because of incidental contact. Right. Um, and that maybe would have stand or stood after review. Particularly um, against a quarterback. Yeah, so they, they... Rushing a quarterback and then the, the quarterback lets go of the ball and, hey, guess what? These guys are the same height. And their heads touch. And, and their heads touch as he's trying to kind of bear hug him and not tackle. You know, doing everything he can to not bring the guy down and their helmets touch. And anyway, yeah, I, I think I see where this is going, which I appreciate. And then the last piece, which the Big 12 coordinator of officials said this is a very rare occurrence, but that if they identify a repeat offender, so a player that receives a third targeting foul in a season, so it doesn't doesn't have to be back-to-back or in the same, um, like, two weeks or three weeks, I guess. On the third targeting foul, the player will obviously sit out the, the rest of the half or the next half, whatever it is they have to but then we'll have another one game suspension and the team's next scheduled game, which could be a playoff game, could be a a conference championship. It could be the next game of this next season. Okay. I'd, didn't Deshaun Johnson get three one year? I'm sure he did. He would have been one of the very guys close to that. That may have been affected by this. I, I think aside from him, I can't think of a player since the targeting rules have been in place. That, so that this would have affected for tech your take on the changes to targeting. I really appreciate the fact that they can review it and say, oops, no targeting and no penalty. It was close, but not, it's not worth, yeah. I mean, it, it's not all four pieces weren't right. His head was weren't present. His head was, it turns out his head was about three inches below, you know, Him the, the, the guy's face yeah. mask or something. I, I, I like that. I like the, you know, dealing with intent, it's difficult. It's it's hard to determine, right? Or you don't know, you don't want the players thinking. There's some gray area there. I, but it's better than before, where it was just, oh no, it's targeting by rule. That's targeting, so we've got to call it because this thing happened. It's targeting. because the crown of his helmet hit his face mask, whereas he could have been trying to duck, or yeah. protect himself, or whatever. It may or be. or uh. I, I swear I think sometimes someone would turn into somebody or someone would move at the last second, like the offensive player would move. And then that would cause the targeting more than the what the defensive player was doing. I mean, not to blame – nobody wants to get a concussion or, mm-hmm. you know, have CTE. So it's not like either of these guys are were trying to do this on purpose, but it just would happen. And But by rule, they had to call it because – that was all they had. They couldn't say, well, technically it's targeting, but you can tell he didn't mean to do it. So first down, (laughs) but now they can kind of say that. So it it gives them more power, which I think that they'll do the right thing with these reviews already took so long anyway. So I think the biggest thing to keep taking that long that that I'm in favor of is when they review it, it doesn't just stand like when they're like, Oh, well the, the, it, it stands like, well, you didn't have enough to confirm it. Mm-hmm. but you're still going to enforce a penalty that you couldn't confirm on re- review. Like that's, that doesn't make sense. So I'm glad that piece is gone. Um, next big area is overtime rules. And I'm, I'm going to call this the Texas A&M LSU rule. Cause <laughs> the, I think this came directly because of this. The Bama, Bama. I mean, not Bama. Gosh, where was I? 
Baton Rouge rule. No, they were in Kyle. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they were in I remember watching station. that game. Yeah, I did too. I, I tuned in and was like, this is nuts. Yeah, I tuned um, in at like the third overtime. I wonder how this is going to end. Yeah. So the rule changes starting with the fifth. Oh, so, sorry. The rule is the first four overtime periods will remain the same. Starting with the fifth, teams will alternate two-point attempts until a winner is determined. And so, that's it. So they're not going so to start at the 25. 20, yeah, they're, they're not, not going to to do you know a possession to a score or whatever. It'll be overtime five, offense gets the ball at the two, they get one play. Yeah. And then the, the other team, after that result, will get the ball at the two. Um, the f- I don't mind the rule change, but like if you're if you think going to seven overtimes is is excessive, which it is, like why why do you pick the fifth overtime? Why yeah, not why, just move it up to the third? Since when is four just <laughs> acceptable? Yeah, like oh, yeah, four is good. Like give them two shots and like okay, you didn't do it. Now go to go to the, the two point tries. I don't see. I think what they're trying to do to third is they're trying to get both teams like two opportunities to do that. The, the regular overtime rule two opportunities for the touchdown plus two point. Oh, I and see. And then just to go, it's like, well, just do one. You get like one opportunity of the one point on the second overtime, force him to go for two. And then third overtime on it's nothing but two points. Yeah. You could just cut it in half. I, I see no issue with this. This is it's fine. interesting. It'll be, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if it happens. I don't, yeah, the, the how three many games, how, many, go, that, how this, many games go to five overtimes? I know the, the, the two or three games that this may happen. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. I, I think part of it too. I bet. I bet this was brought down by someone in broadcasting, too, uh, because they've got sponsors and they've got shows and they've got other things they need to get to, and they can't turn a typical three and a half hour game into a five hour game on a whim, or a six hour game or whatever it was. It was nuts. Uh, I think that could have something to do with it. I'm fine with it, but I'm also what you just proposed would be fine. I, the overtime's just it's just a, a means to an end. As long as each team gets a fair shake at whatever the rules are, I don't really care what they are. Okay. I, I think it would be kind of fun to to make something completely crazy where you just I don't know whoever kicks a field goal from the 50 yard line first wins. <laughs> Just something like that. It's like a skills competition. They bring out trash cans. Whichever quarterback can make in that trash yeah, can first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that. But um, I'm up. If it's a level playing field, which let's go for it. But I, I will I will miss. I'll reminisce to my grandkids about that. The seven overtime the game. Seven back when they, they, they actually played the overtime rules the whole time. That was nuts. That game was nuts. It was. All right. Uh, change number three, kickoff return blocking basically does away with the two-man wedge. So several years ago, they went, they rose a three. It used to be a three-man wedge. That was the limit. They had three three players on the return team could come together. Um, that was eliminated, and it's been a max of two-man. Now they said, no, we don't, we don't want any kind of defensive walls placed up around a ball carrier on a return. Um, I'm okay with, I don't really, I don't think it really makes that big of a deal. I haven't seen like an actual two player wall in a while cause they don't usually coordinate that very well. And it gets those two players usually separate on their own before it, it comes to anything. It's yeah. a safety thing. I'm, I'm okay with the change. Yeah. The, the kickoff, not a big deal to me. Kickoff stuff. The, 
I understand all the safety stuff they're trying to do there because, I mean, I had a friend break his collarbone in a <laughs> just a random 2A football game on a kickoff. So I know that it's a violent aspect of the sport. And speaking of kind of some different rule changes, do we really even need it anymore? The wedge? Or the, the, the kickoff. Is there something we could do instead and still make it exciting? I'm going to go back to, okay, um, let's, what if the, what if they kick off from, what do they usually kick off from now? The 40? 35. The 35? Okay. What if the guy makes it through the uprights? Is that a point? <laughs> no, that isn't right because you're going to give them the ball. But there's, there's got to be some way to make it kind of interesting and to just almost eliminate that altogether. Really, what it boils down to is I would like to eliminate the damn timeout, TV timeout that comes right after it and just... On the change of possession. Yeah, you know, okay, all right, so Team A scored a touchdown and then we come back from commercial. All right, Team B's on the 20 because we've eliminated the kickoff and we've eliminated that extra commercial break and here's where most of these possessions start anyway. Someone's not getting the flying burrito thrown at them at a combined 50 miles an hour. Limping off in a stretcher. <laughs> We're just starting at the 20. Let's just go. Let's play some football. So, I I like the kickoff. Because I like the possibility of a return. And I want to play this from a game we'll talk about in a little bit. Something that can happen... When you kick the ball, granted, we talked about it on our last podcast. Things can go horribly wrong too, right? When Ben McCoy didn't receive the kickoff cleanly and the kicking team recovered it for a touchdown. But you also get something like this. Hunt's going to run this out. Wasn't sure, but we see that Grant can move. We know he can go. It's the foot race to the end zone, and it's going to be won by Grant. Hey. It's a fast guy. That was Jakeem Grant, obviously, doing a kickoff return versus a team to be announced later. 100-yard return. Like, those things are exciting, right? Like, very, very. And I, they can turn a game around. They can. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I don't know. I like it. They, they I'm keep, okay they keep... with a no, no two-man blocking, though. It's fine. Oh, yeah, me too. All right. Well, um, we got two more rules to get through before we start talking about football. Some really sad football. Because um, we're talking about our three worst games, which is technically going to be six games in the last ten seasons. Yeah. Um, this one though, this is a rule a rule change to the celebration, and I. Th- so I saw it from a Big Twelve blog perspective, and it's like it's they call it the horns down penalty. That's that's it's, pretty much it. It's no longer a penalty to put the horns down, which is I was like, oh, finally they're going to do something about it. Except they asked the Big 12 coordinator of officials. He said, eh, kind of. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm going to read his response to the question about if a player does like a horns down signal. And if that's going to be called. He said, it depends. It's like any unsportsmanlike act. If somebody scores quickly, turns to their cheering section, and it's quick and they move on, we're not going to do anything about that. So one really quickly, he says, turns to their cheering section. So it doesn't sound like they have to be at home. To be yeah, you could. You as long as you do it to your fans, if, even if you're in Austin, if you find a group of college students in the end zone, or you know people you were draped in yeah. black and red, then you give them the horns down, and that's okay. Yeah. If it's to a bench or to another player, and it's prolonged, 
it would be an unsportsmanlike. So I, I think the more detail he gives, the more trouble he's creating for his conference. His, yeah. his officials like, well, dude, you said if it's if it's to a bench or to another player, and it was prolonged, like you How have long to meet, is prolonged. You have to meet both of those criteria and have a judgment in there. Yeah. Um, like any play, there is a degree who it's directed at. If they do it in their bench area, we're not going to look at it. It would be like any other celebration foul. So it has to be like any other foul we have. But it's not like any other foul you have. And I bet like you're going to get one player throw the horns down real quick and then it's going to get flagged. Like like TJ Vasher did in, in Austin yeah. last year, no, two years ago. In 2017, he scored, popped up, threw the horns down, ref immediately flagged him. That is still going to happen, and people are going to have outrage because of this quote. Like, look, dude, you said this wouldn't happen, and now it happened. And and no one cared about it till Will you, Greer you, did you it. You hate my team. And then all of a sudden, everyone cared about it. Yeah. So I, I appreciate that they're not trying to protect a certain school. Like, oh, they did a disrespectful hand gesture mm-hmm. by putting our hand gesture upside down. But it's not BS, Matt but it's, Brown. Nobody cares. It's only disrespectful. It's not even really disrespectful. Well, no. I guess it is, but only to UT fans, right? Because like they've also That's done it. like like where they've holstered a gun or something. Yeah, when, yeah. When they score against Tech or they put a gun down, whatever. Well, it's like, not. A, that's not like as a Tech fan, it's not offensive to me. That it bugs me. We're like, we shouldn't have let a score. Yeah, like, I know. It makes you mad against me. Like I, I need to. We need to get back at him or something. Like I don't think they should get called for it either. But, but it's it, not like I think he should be flagged for. No, it. no. It's just kind of ah. Dang, burn! Yeah, they they got us sick. <laughs> but but they do. The, the 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 thing that bothers me is that it's not like it's a universal. It's it, you know if someone no, gave the, the the double fingers, that it's easy, right? Yeah, I mean you, obviously if someone's that's just an offensive gesture, double in flipping society. off everybody. Okay, that's unanimous. You know, everyone thinks that's offensive in some form or fashion. If they do like the suck it. You know, they get flagged for that. Or like Baker Mayfield on the sideline grabbing his Yeah, groin. grabbing your groin and stuff. You know, there's there's certain universal ways that to express yourself that people will go, Okay, yeah, we can't we can't do that. We can't do that. Simply putting another college's hand signal upside down is not one of those ways. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Thumbs down, down. Horns down. Horns down, whatever. That's the thing like there's not like there's only a very small handful of schools is applied to. I would I think you mentioned like A and M could be one because they're a normal hand gesture is the thumbs up, yeah for for Gigum. horns which are up. I think OU just does the the one finger like they're number one yeah or whatever. So that's what well, what do you really do with that Oklahoma State and Texas Tech have have guns up. You could do like you said the holster right the holster's pretty good or I, I mean guns down is kind of weird looking yeah I it. Don't, it but then, I don't like, know if like that's gonna work. when I think about other teams in the, the Big Twelve, I think of Sikkim Bears, Baylor, and TCU have a hand sign, but like you can't do that down. We're like, what the hell is he doing? Like, what is that? Yeah, you can't do a, a down Sikkim. So, yeah, which know. we're trying to do in, in the room too. We're like, we're not even sure how this works. <laughs> I know. I'm afraid I'm gonna knock something over. Yeah. So it, it seems very pointed towards University of Texas. Like, we're not gonna protect you for this. You're gonna just deal with if a team scores on you, they throw the horns down. You just deal with it. Yeah, I'm hoping. I that's just don't what think. I just don't know how well it'll be applied. All right, last one because we're we're running behind. Blindside blocks. It looks like they're trying to eliminate all blindside blocks. And I think they they looked at a one play in the SEC from last year as an example. Um, and I, I don't know the play specifically. I, I do remember reading it. Uh, Greg Burks, the Big Twelve 
coordinator of officials said like the quarterback threw a pick and then he was coming back to tackle the the guy that intercepted him and he just got blown up by somebody on defense trying to free the returner um okay okay so he basically said, when it comes to a matter of safety we're always going to err on the side of safety so we want the player to behave to where you can push them it's talking about the, the the player that would be blocking them shove them but not drop a shoulder or a to- torso and get the same effect to spring the ball carrier without delivering a blow that might hurt somebody so they're just trying to eliminate those blocks where you just blow somebody up surprise them they had no idea you were there type thing player safety i i I get it. I'm fine with it. Again, it's going to be difficult to tell like, Oh, when was was that a blindside block? Yeah. Did he know it was coming? Could he could have prepared? There's going to be some growing pains on that. Yeah. On that penalty for sure. All right. Texas tech football. You ready for this? All right. Okay. For those of you who, um, are just tuning in, we need some good transition music and I don't have anything pulled up. Oh, good. I can talk for a little bit because you know, last week or last episode, we, Decided that we were going to go through our yeah, nothing. Sorry. Over the last, we're going to examine <laughs> our last ten years, mm-hmm. of, 2009 to 2018, of uh, Texas Tech football, which encompasses both Tuberville's tenure, Leach's last year, and all of Kingsbury's tenure, mm-hmm. obviously, and determine the worst losses and uh, break them up into two episodes. So last week we went through kind of the honorable mentions, what we considered honorable mention. Worst losses, and now we each have three different losses that we're going to go through in a little bit more detail that we feel are the actual worst three. And then, because we don't want to just be Debbie Downers and we don't want to end on a high note, next week we'll do the same thing honorable mentions for best wins, for best wins, top three, and then top three for best wins of the last 10 years. Anyway, just to so, kind of kind of condition us for the roller coaster ride that is Texas Tech football. Uh, we're not trying to be too down, but we're also just trying to be realistic and mm-hmm. acknowledge that um, it it's been kind of rough. It's it's been it's been a rough ride the last so to to give ten years to give that dude credit. He said it's been a there's been a lot of losing at home. There's been there a lot has. of losing in general. There sure has. There <laughs> um, has. So I'm you're going to go first, but I want to do one of my games first because I think of the six we have, it's probably the lowest in terms of like. So we're, we're going to do counting down our third, second, and then our worst loss. Okay. And and but but I think of the group of six, my third is the lowest of all of them. And obviously these are subjective. Yes. And mainly I know that at least one of my picks is an emotional pick <laughs> of just, okay, really looking at the numbers and looking at how we did that year, you know, one of them probably really wasn't as bad as I'm saying it is, but for me it was. Well so And that's how these work. To, to that point, my my worst three, like, n- my, sorry, my number three game is a game you lost by eight points on the road in Norman. You didn't get blown out. It it didn't determine if you were going to a playoff. It didn't determine if you are going to a bowl game or anything like that. It didn't determine if a coach was being fired. So, like, that's not, that's not what sets our three worst. But the game I'm, I'm talking about, 2013, you traveled up to OU – and you lost that game 38 to 30. You were ranked 10th in the country because you would just rattle off your first seven wins under the Kingsbury era. OU was ranked 15th. So it was a top 15 matchup in Norman. Was this right after we played TCU? I don't remember. Or was it schedule. The, the Fox game? 
So TCU would have been like the third game of that season. Okay, so we were a little bit further into the season. Yeah, so this was game eight of that season. All right. Sorry, I'm going to look this up really quick. I didn't mean to derail you, man. My bad. No, you're good. I was just trying to set the stage because I was thinking, this doesn't sound that bad on paper, but I know you're going to go into why it sucked. (laughs) Okay, so 2013, you started at SMU, home against Stephen F. Austin, home against TCU, home against Texas State, at Kansas, home against Iowa State, at West Virginia. Okay, so So we had a pretty solid resume. I mean, if... Mm -hmm. You know, especially winning in Morgantown. On your first trip there. Yeah. With a true freshman quarterback in Davis Webb. Right. Okay. So you're 7-0. and You're going to week eight on the road to OU. Um, and you ended up losing that game 38-30. to uh, You were, like I said, 7-0. and This was your first loss of that season. Let's go through this game a little bit. Oh, boy. Um, as the number 10 team in the country, you come out and you, you have some momentum. Uh, OU has the ball first. They drive into field goal range. They attempt a field goal and you block it. You're like, all right, this is it's a good start. <laughs> we're, we're doing something good here. Um, you take over the ball right around midfield. And then like two plays later, Webb throws basically an arm punt interception at the goal line. Like he way overthrew the receiver. The cornerback had a dive heading away from the, the, the quarterback. So like he was diving further downfield. Just to um, to demonstrate how how much that ball was overthrown. Um, later on in this in this first quarter, you have the worst phantom call I've probably ever witnessed, and I I, I tweeted this out with the the questions call tweet this afternoon. Um, Jakeem Grant on a pass into the end zone gets called for offensive pass interference. If, yeah, this is a bad... If you go and look at the picture um, that I tweeted out on the 23 personnel account... There's no way that that's... The defender... Called on Grant. The defender is pulling on Grant's jersey so hard, like, you can see his shoulder pads, like, around his neckline. So, like, it's it's not just like he's got a hold of it. Like, he's holding and pulling. He's obviously pulling Grant because he's a small dude, right? Grant, in this play, does reach up and put his hand on the cornerback's shoulder in response to being pulled for like, like he taps him. He doesn't push him. He doesn't leave his hand. He doesn't like push on his shoulder or anything. It like a touch. The the flag gets thrown. Gabe Lynn, the cornerback for OU for this year, if you remember from a couple years ago when you went up to Norman and beat them in 2011, Gabe Lynn was the corner that um, Neil Brown and Seth Seth Dagey just badgered all throughout the second half. All the deep throws they did to uh, Marcus Kennard and Eric Ward were against Gabe Lynn because he just couldn't cover them. Same dude. He's flipping out that he gets called for this. But it, it's like, dude, you basically ripped his jersey off. They come. The, the guys calling the game, it was um, – Gus Johnson and the guy that used to be his partner. That's what threw me off was they, they were like, "Oh, this, this, this you was, sent me that video," and they were just they were like, "This is a this was a terrible move on Gabe Lynn. Like it was obvious defensive pass interfering." Yeah, 
And then you hear the crowd cheer behind them. You're like, yeah. Oh no, what's going on? And you hear the announcers kind of, oh. And then, and then the the official says, pass interference number eleven on the offense. You're like, what? And it's beef ref. Yeah. Uh, was that Randy Bible? That sounds right. I don't know. You, um, you, I, I have to go back and look at the drive chart specifically. I don't know. I don't think you scored a touchdown on this drive. I think you had to settle for a field goal. So that play, obviously, it's a 15-yard penalty. So not only do you not get the ball, like first and goal at the two because it happened in the end zone uh, or, or 15 yards from wherever you were, you go 15 yards back. That's a 30-yard swing because the back judge was a sooner. <laughs> um, There's not a lot of other explanations for that. Tech did score first, or sorry, Tech's first touchdown uh, on this day came from a Kenny Williams pass, running back Kenny Williams. He took a handoff from Webb, was rolling left um, like it was an off-tackle run. Everybody was, was, was going that way. The defense all sucked up on it. It was like on between the five and 10 yard line. And then he pulls up and throws a pass to Eric Ward, who's all by himself and scores a touchdown. Kenny Williams, I think had two or three touchdown passes that season on a very similar play. I, I'm pretty sure he did that same thing against Baylor in the last game of the year. Um, OU is up 14, seven going into the half and then scores the first touchdown in the second half to go up 21, seven. But then Texas tech, your Red Raiders, Cliff Kingsbury, rattle off 17 unanswered to retake the lead. You go up 24-21. In the middle of that, you had a touchdown, onside kick. Um, sorry, a field goal, onside kick, um, and then touchdown to go up 24-21. Gosh, I forgot about that run. Um, then OU kind of flexes its muscles. A running back, I don't even remember, LeColton Bester had a 35-yard touchdown run. It was a reverse pass where he could have thrown it back to Blake Bell, but he decided to keep it. So he was on the far right-hand side. He ends up scoring on the left side of the field. So he like he crosses the field, basically runs through the entire tech defense. You're like, okay, so that's, that's how we're going to do this. And you lose the game 38-30. Tech would then lose their momentum of going seven and zero. You end up playing a really tough Oklahoma State team like the next week or something, um, and you lose the final five games of the season. Yeah, so you go. You were at Oklahoma, then home against Oklahoma State, home against Kansas State, neutral site versus Baylor at Texas. Those are your five. Lost losses. all five. Lost all five of those. One of your three 0 and five finishes to a season, and what's bad is that was that was about the aside from winning the Holiday Bowl, that was about the high high point of Kingsbury's career was his first year going into week seven eight. games in going mm-hmm. into Norman, that was it. It, it never got any better. <laughs> it's time for a refill. Oh, this is this is like <laughs> it's like I'm at the movies. Or it's like you're watching a Ryan Hyatt broadcast. <laughs> you got you to make sure that you're hydrated. Clinky, clinky. All right. Sorry, so I, I had to interrupt you. I had to go first. Let's hear your three games. Okay, I realized that, just so you know, in our Google Doc, I reordered mine the way that you did. Okay. So my third one is at the top now. 
to try to match how you did it. Okay. Because it didn't make sense the way you had it. The other. I was like, uh. no, I know. I know. That's, okay. Okay. So okay. I realized where you're headed and I figured that out. Okay. Number three for me was, was a big turning point. This is why this one was deeply, deeply personal. This one's, they they all suck. They all. <laughs> I was like, this this game sucked. I'm just, oh, they all do. I'm gonna try to tease into. I mean, how do you tease into something so awful as this? But anyway, I'm gonna try to get into it uh, a little bit by just talking about how I felt after the game. So after the game, me, a guy who's been fully in Kingsbury's corner for far too long, oh, is this way the- past everybody was out. Is the Twitter? Yeah. Okay, great. I'm glad you're reading this. Two weeks prior to this game, we lost a debacle of an overtime game against Kansas State. <laughs> so now I think you know where we're headed. Which was that play where on fourth down in overtime, yeah. Nick Shimanek he grounds th- the ball. Like he, he, throws he threw it, out it the to back. my old apartment. Yeah. And this is the TCU game, which was two weeks later, where Texas Tech – Lost twenty seven to three. I didn't even look up the math on when the last time Tech didn't score a a touchdown or I think we, we kinda we think it was two thousand six versus TCU. I th- like that like nine to the twelve to six or twelve to nine game, whatever that's, it was. That's kinda what I thought too. Anyways, that had been eleven at least eleven years before. Sorry, going. But it made me send this tweet and then we're gonna get into why I sent it. I, I said I don't think Hokut can justify keeping him no matter what happens. And now a long, somber walk back to the car. <laughs> to where someone replied, about the only real justification is one, beating Texas in Austin, and two, with half the SEC head coaches being open, plus a ton more, is the candidate pool that large? And I replied to that saying, they'll need to blow out Texas by 40 at this point. Which, as we know, did not happen, but they did win in Austin, and that was all it took. And Kingsbury kept his job. For one more year. Okay, so TCU, 2017. TCU, let's go back to this game. I actually went to this game by myself because I'm a glutton for punishment. I bought a ticket. It was it was 11 a.m. because, of course, it was 11 a.m. It was a beautiful sunny day, but it was still somehow cold as hell. And the stadium was empty. Uh Tech had gone on a one of their um, patented miserable late season runs where, let's see, just the week before in Arlington, they had beat Baylor. And then before that, their last win was against Kansas uh, in October. So coming into this game, they were on a recent one in four stretch. Goodness. Where they had lost at home to West Virginia. No, they lost at West Virginia. They lost at home to Iowa State. They lost to Norman. They lost the Kansas State double OT game that we just mentioned. Then they beat Baylor. And then in comes TCU. And you think TCU has a shot because uh, they are playing Sean Robinson. Who, a little, little bit of note there, became the first true freshman quarterback to start a game for Gary Patterson in his 17 years at that time as a head coach. So you think, man, we got a chance against this guy. Uh, I mean, TCU came in. I mean, they were ranked number 11, but we just knew that Sean Robinson was not. He was he was a fraud. We saw he, through it. Yeah, he's not that great. And sure enough, you know, you think, oh, man, they're not holding on to the ball, everything. We're going to get him. 
not holding on to the ball. But understatement I, of the night. <laughs> I know, and I, I went I went ahead of myself here, but I just wanted to start off. I knew things were bad with Kingsbury, and I'd always had issues with his game management, but especially in that first drive, they went on a nine minute opening drive. Somehow, nine minutes. That's, that's crazy. That's not that's Kansas State. Yeah. Esque. And because there was, I think, uh, eight minutes, 52 seconds. Yeah. It was a 21 plays. Yes. And during that time, they burned two timeouts, which is mind blowing. You've heard me complain about him in timeouts before. So I already thought, well, this is great. So we've burned through two of our three timeouts already on this opening drive that ended in a field goal, a 22 yard field goal by Hatfield. This believe it or not, was the highlight of the day. <laughs> so first, I, I think Kingsbury didn't know what to do with himself. That first time out came after five and a half minutes of possession. He's like, what the hell are we still doing with the ball? <laughs> <laughs> Just got to collect my thoughts. My, Two minutes later, he my calls My script this, only goes so far. Because <laughs> yeah, we know he used to script out plays. He probably ran out of plays. He probably didn't have a 21-play script. Two minutes later, he takes a second timeout. There was a two-minute gap. I really think, and, and it was, I think it was as the play clock was winding down. They obviously didn't know what the heck to do. So I think you're onto something, but. All right, sorry. It was just a. I keep interrupting. This is a group. No, you're good. Here. It's kind of a group therapy, really. I don't want to get too too much more into it, but I do want to mention a few things. Um, you know, obviously, Tech lost 27-3. to three. TCU had seven fumbles. Yeah, they did. And Tech only recovered one. TCU recovered six of their own fumbles, which is just mind-blowingly frustrating. The what, odds of that happening are just... The other thing that is mind-blowingly frustrating is this drive summary. <laughs> and I'm going to go through oh, I'm going to do these for like the next two of my games. Painfully. Too, so. I'm going to painfully go through it, but quickly but painfully. Kind of like a Band-Aid. Just right off. All right. So, drive summary. The aforementioned nine-minute drive, they ended up in a 22-yard field goal. And they use up all the offense on that play. That was or, it. On, on, that, on that drive. <laughs> okay. Next drive, punt. Next drive, three and out, punt. Next drive, missed field goal, 47-yarder by Hatfield. You know, okay, a 47-yarder. It was windy that day. I, I, I checked it. the weather. Oh, I remember. <laughs> so just, just for... The wind chill was what was getting you. The, um, the high for that day at noon was 57 degrees with an 18 mile per hour wind coming out of the north which means if you were if you were if the team was driving north towards the north part of the field they were going into the wind so that 47 yard field goal was into the wind right and i think it was cuz i think that was first half cuz yeah. i definitely know they were going north in the first half and they were in the fourth quarter too yeah you're right you're right um, cuz i just that first it. drive definitely was going north so okay all right, so after the missed field goal, 47-yarder, hey, college kickers, understood. Next drive, three-and-out punt. Next drive, three-and-out punt. Next drive, three-and-out punt. Next drive, punt. Next drive, missed field goal, a 20-yarder by Hatfield. I remember like this hearing was the booze the, in the stadium. The wind was behind him on this one. He was for sure kicking south. And this was when you know he'd been injured. And maybe they brought him back too soon. It was just that year where just field goal kicking was brutal. But still, not only did he miss the 20-yard 20 20 yard field goal, it was just 
a glorious miss. It was like one of he those. Wasn't even close. No, it was like one of those guys that comes out and kicks for a trip to Vegas. They've they've made it look just as good. It was so far wide left, I think, mm-hmm. just sweeped across into the end zone. And yeah, what smattering of people that were still there were able to uh, generate some hefty boos on that one. We tech fans were openly booing their own players at home. Yeah. That's how that's how this year had been. And so you missed that field goal. Next possession, I believe it was Shimanek who fumbled. And TCU... He did, because it was on a run. He was scrambling or something and picked up a first down Yeah, and fumbled on that run. And I think he fumbled it, and TCU recovered and uh, scored a field goal. But at this point... You're only down twenty to three. You're down twenty to three, <laughs> and you're like, "Well, I mean, we've seen not, these guys play not, football before." Not totally out of reach, but having watched the rest of the game beforehand, you're like, "This is over." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and if you thought that, you were correct because the next drive was a pick six. The dude returned at like ninety five yards. Yep, and that ended the game. And I think Carter actually came in on the last because I, I I didn't realize that, but I think Carter had one attempt in this game and I'm thinking Kingsbury paid played him for the last series because um tech ended the game turning it over on downs and then TCU yeah. ran the clock out. Okay, so on T- on Texas Tech's last drive, 10 plays, 49 yards. DeMarcus Felton run, DeMarcus Felton run, DeMarcus Felton run, McLean P- Carter pass complete to Cantrell. DeMarcus Felton run, Desmond Nisby run, McLean Carter run, McLean Carter pass incomplete. DeMarcus Felton run, McLean Carter, McLean Carter pass incomplete. He went one for three. Yeah. So it was, I think he he was in after the interception, after the pick six. So it, that that's why this game's in here. It's it's kind of a nuanced one. You know, you're not going to look at it and go, oh, 27 to three. Most people will be like, oh, that kind of stunk. But is it really one of the three worst of the last 10 seasons? And in my head, yes, because that was where I thought, man, I don't know if Kingsbury's the guy anymore. I don't know if he's the guy. It officially kind of moved me over to that side of thinking. I still never really called for it and never wanted it to happen, but completely understood it and completely empathized with people who felt that way. Okay. So I'm I'm going to shake this up. I'm going to do my second game. Okay, and go you, for it. You do your second game. No, I th- that okay. sounds great. So I think my, we should go back and forth. Yeah. My second game, a couple years after my first one, uh, it's 2015 in the game. We played that highlight from Jakeem Grant home oh. against Oklahoma state. Oh, I was at this one too. Oh, this is yeah. I, ahead. I was at this game as well. This was a game Halloween day, 2015. We know like the Halloween games have always been strange. At Texas tech, whether it's students dressing up or just weird things happening. This is a weird things happening game. Oklahoma state comes in. They are either six and one or seven and oh or something. They're ranked, um, and you jump all over Oklahoma State to start this game. It was nuts. You're like, holy crap, Like this is what a good team looks like. Um, Jakeem Grant took a five-yard pass into a 90-yard completion where he was running across the field. Uh, ESPN did like one of those tracker things. They tracked how far he actually ran on the play. Oh yeah. They yeah. got him at 154 yards. Yeah. I he love also, when they do those. He also had a hundred, hundred yard return cause he recovered it. He received it in the end zone. Um, 
so they, they couldn't do a, a hundred plus yard. Cause then you're just guessing really, um, you at one point. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. The two teams combined for more than 1300 total yards. And it was the third most points all time in any game that did not go to overtime. This is a game you scored 53 points and lost. You lost this game 70 to 53 with Patrick Mahomes. This is a Patrick Mahomes game. Um, one of one of at least four or five Mahomes games where you score fifty and lose. Yeah, this is here's the thing that gets me though. You had a seventeen point lead twice, <laughs> and I knew, then you, I knew you had one once, and then you lost the game by seventeen. So you go up by seventeen in the first quarter. You were up twenty four to seven in the first quarter. You're like, holy crap! Where's 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 Oklahoma State? Well, they didn't show up, and this was a team that had James Washington, that had uh, the running back Rudolph, that had J.W. Walsh, and the other quarterback, his name's on here, Mason Rudolph, and the running back's name was Raymond Taylor. Yeah, they so, were. They came in 7-0, and and they were number ranked. 12 in the country. Yeah, and you had a 24-7 to lead on them with four minutes to go in the first quarter. Now, I remember that, and I still thought, yeah, but I've seen – yeah, I've but seen still, this. I've, seen, I've this. seen this play so, out before, and so I was thinking, no, Oklahoma State, they'll re- come back. They they respond to that kickoff return. Um, so it's twenty four fourteen. You're down. You're up by ten, and then you score like you score again on your next possession in the second quarter to get back to a seventeen point lead. So twenty minutes into the game, a third of the way through the game, you're up thirty one to fourteen. Now that was, I started feeling kind of good there. I started, and I know better, and I know better, but that was just one of those times where finally I thought, okay, I, you know, Tech can hang in there and, and win this. Okay, so I'm going to run through the drive chart too. All right. Oh boy. For Texas Tech, your drives to start this game, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, punt, That's touchdown. Beautiful. That's beautiful. You, you gave up the ball once in the first half. You scored 38 points in the first half. You punted once, and it was a four and out. So you got a first down in the first play, and then you went three and out, basically. Second half, you just, you didn't, I don't, you, you brought in people that were wearing the same jerseys, but it wasn't the same team. I have no idea. what. Second half drives, turnover on downs, punt touchdown. I have to go, is it a punt return? No, sorry. You punted. Oklahoma State returned it for a touchdown. That's what oh, it was. I kind of remember that. So you turn over and downs, punt that they return for a touchdown. Then you punt, fumble, touchdown. You throw an interception, touchdown, fumble, throw an interception. They return for a touchdown. And then you end the game. You scored zero points after going 38 points in the first half, zero points in the, sec- in the third quarter. You score 15 points in the fourth quarter, but you were playing from behind at that point. Oklahoma State scored 14 in the first quarter, 14 in the second quarter, 14 in the third quarter, 28 in the fourth quarter. (laughs) Two of those fourth quarter scores 
were from James Washington. He had a 75-yard touchdown reception and a 73-yard touchdown reception. Oh, that's a backbreaker. In the fourth quarter. Um, so you have the ball late in the fourth quarter. You're down by 10, but you're driving. Um, I, I, I saw the replay of this just to kind of confirm. You picked up a first down. You're in Oklahoma State territory. The, the defender that tackled your receiver, Devin Lauderdale, is holding onto his leg, trying to slow him down because I think there's like 30 seconds left in the game. Trying to slow him down to, to eat more clock. While he's holding onto his leg, uh, Devin Lauderdale like tries to kick his like to kick him off. Oh, okay, gets called for unsportsmanlike. So you pick up the first down, but then you go 15 yards back. A couple plays later, you throw a pick six. <laughs> this is one of those, that's like, all she wrote. One of those things where like you had lost a bunch of games, like you had you hadn't been able to keep a lead but you had never gotten to 17. You had never gotten a 17 point lead and like lost that game. That was like the cutoff point. You lost it twice. And I watched this game and it was so frustrating. And James Washington was so good. We're like, just don't throw it to him. Oh, they did. <laughs> Please don't. It's like Josh Dotson and for TCU a couple years ago. It's just, it, that's just one of my games. You lose that game 70 to 53. The game, like it, it's it's a seventeen point lead. I just That's can't get up past there. it. Like you 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 lost two seventeen point leads in this game to lose by seventeen. So it's a thirty four point swing. I think that's worthy to make the the bottom six. And that was my my second worst of all time. Okay, my, my second worst of all time kind of seems inconspicuous, but spoiler alert: there's someone else who shares the same opinion of, of this game that I do. I would have picked this game if you didn't. Okay, all right, good. It, it's kind of a I think it's because I was at this one too. And I remember taking, um, let's see what day this was in 2011. I took Allison to this game and it, it, it may have been one of the first games that we'd been to together. And so I just kind of, and I remember where we sat, who we sat with anyway, 2011. I remember, I remember watching this game at like a family's house, like half paying attention but like, what? <laughs> the whole time. All right, 2011, Iowa State comes into Lubbock. We're talking three and four Iowa State coming into Lubbock. Lubbock is, or Tech is five and two. They're ranked number 20 in the country. And they had just come off two weeks earlier dethroning Norman for the first time ever uh and not just any not just any Oklahoma team but number 3 OU 2 weeks before October 22nd and i think th- this was your next game after that no you're, you're right off. you're right it it was you were, you had a week off after Oklahoma uh uh-uh. it was immediately it was uh o- OU was on October 22nd then Iowa State was October 29th okay and so Tech came in ranked number 19 or 20, depending on where you look, because they had just thrown Mighty Oklahoma. So coming in at 5-2, and two, your only two losses were to then number 24, Texas A&M. You lost to them by five. Um, and then also at then number 17, Kansas State, you lost to them by a touchdown. So not great losses. Both of them were at home, too. But then after those two losses, you win in Norman 41-38. to 38. And you're feeling pretty darn good about yourself. 
you have two quote unquote quality losses at the moment. <laughs> Lowly Iowa State is coming into town. Uh, it's a six o'clock game. It's an evening game. You remember when we had those? Yeah. And you think this is this is going to be pretty good? No. No, it's not. Iowa State blows you up in the first quarter. Yes, they, they they punch you in the mouth and that's it. They jump out on a twenty-one to nothing lead and never looked back. That was just pretty much the end of it. You, this is only your third loss to Iowa State period ever. It's the second loss consecutively because you lost the year before to to them in Ames. Uh, it's the second loss under Tuberville, and it kind of just started the whole, it perpetuated the whole, well, Iowa State's not only, we used to think we were above them. Now we're not. No, <laughs> no, we're definitely not. And this is where it kind of cemented a little bit. So y'all prepare. Um, Iowa State is projected to have like the number one and number two dif- defense in the country, or I'm sorry, in the conference this season. Well, and they're picked... And I'd say rightfully so. They're, they're picked like number three or third. Yeah, yeah. So. They're right behind OU. Of course, is the obvious front runner. But then I think it's OU, UT, and Iowa State. And I can't really argue with that. It could get ugly. Yeah. So okay, just a few more things about this debacle of a game. I'm not going to get into it too much, but it's it also started the um, another sled. This was the first year that Tech went 0 and 5 at to end a year. They yep, they yep. did it again in 2013, which Spencer just mentioned. I think we talked on that previously. So that was two and three years. Yeah, and then they did it again in 2018. So this is becoming far too often. <laughs> three out of the last thirty percent of the last ten years, <laughs> we've gone 0 and five to finish the year. Uh, uh, let's see. I believe it was a homecoming game, but I can't find that for sure anywhere. So that's even better. Because I think usually we would schedule Iowa State or Kansas for homecoming. And that year, Kansas was an away game. So I think it was homecoming. We got railroaded 41-7 to by a freshman quarterback. Tech didn't get a touchdown pass for the first time in five years. The only touchdown was a rushing touchdown. It was the largest margin of victory over a ranked team for Iowa State since the Cyclones beat number 20 Nebraska in Ames by 22 points in 2002. So nine years before uh, throttling Nebraska, they throttle us, and we get in that little history book. Uh, TTU managed three turnovers and allowed 512 yards while only gaining Mm -hmm. 290. And then just just to finish it off, because I think we've exhausted how terrible this game was, here is the drive summary. Just quickly, punt, 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 interception, fumble, turnover on downs, touchdown, punt, end of half, and here's the second half. Punt, 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 interception, punt, punt. It's wonderful. Yeah. This was this was just a brutal game. There was so much about it. This was when we thought that the, that the loss in Ames the year before was just kind of a fluke. And then we all of a sudden realized, oh my gosh, Iowa State might be turning into someone that's pretty good. And it's not like they went on and won the conference or something. They they finished the season with a 6-7 record and a loss in the pinstripe bowl. But they beat the entire socks of us that day. 
in uh, 2011. So that's that's my number two loss. So that that win against Oklahoma <clears throat> was October 22nd. That was your fifth and final win of the season. You lose five games to end the season. Iowa State at Texas, 52 to 20. Home versus number two Oklahoma State, 66 to six. At Missouri, 31-27. Baylor, 66-42. That was a That's murderer's rough. row. The 2011 was a bad, it's a bad, bad year. It's a bad deal. <laughs> like having one of the best wins in your like in your program history. Yes. Surrounded by like the worst season. Spoiler alert: That's probably going to be on the <laughs> on the best win list, sandwiched between all this crap. <laughs> all right. So my last game was last season. Oh, I'm sure we rem- we remember this season very vividly. Okay. Okay. It's a road game up to Purple Kansas. Ooh, the Ooh. game that sealed Kingsbury's fate. That at was least, so at ugly. least from like I I was so done was so mad dejected whatever you lose this game 21 to 6 um you weren't eliminated from um bowl contention you only this was your 11th game so you're five and six at this point but you mustered two field goals in the game and they were your first two drives the rest of the game you did nothing (laughs) and we'll talk about the drives here in a second because it's not that they were like unproductive drives but there were drives like where you forced a turnover and then gave the ball right back or you held Kansas state and then you turned the ball over or something. Um, Jet Duffy started this game. You probably remember this. Um, According to the ESPN win probability tracker, you started this game with a 78% chance to win. You were a pretty good favorite going into this game, Hmm. which is strange to say at Kansas state on the road. And then you, you with hold your a, backup quarterback. You hold a team to twenty one points. You're like, Texas Tech is going to blow somebody out if they only give up twenty one points. You didn't score a touchdown in this game. So this is, you didn't score a touchdown in the twenty seventeen season against TCU. You didn't score a yeah. touchdown in this game. Um, your drive chart, field goal, field goal. That that second field goal was with a minute twenty six left in the first quarter. That's your last points you scored in the game. Punt, 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 end of half. Safety. Oh, man. Which I was forgot off, about the safety. It was off a blocked punt. So Yes. Penazolo punted it. It got blocked, but it just it got it rolled out of the back of the end zone for a safety. Fumble. Which was two plays after you intercepted Kansas State. So you intercept you intercepted Kansas State in the end zone. You got the ball in the twenty. On second down on that drive, you fumble the ball back to Kansas State. The next drive, you throw an interception. Punt, fumble. But this was, you forced Kansas State to punt. On your first play of the next possession, you fumbled the ball. (laughs) And then the last drive of the game ends on downs, where on fourth down, McLean Carter nearly throws a pick six. The dude just drops it. Like, almost, almost out of, like, pity Kansas State like okay I'm gonna read you the Kansas State drive chart like and you should you be like oh my gosh you should like any, how, did, any how, team, how did this team win this game any teams you like that team should have gotten blown out they started the game with a turnover on downs I remember that I remember the defense coming out and we thought hey it was fourth and two they ran the ball and got 
stood up, did not gain a yard. Mm-hmm. Second drive punt, field goal, punt, touchdown, turnover on downs, interception. So three drives in, I'm sorry, seven drives into the game, they had scored 10 points. Everything else has been a turnover or a punt. Yeah. And then you get this little stretch, field goal, field goal, punt, field goal, end of game. It Some, just sounds like a really ho-hum, lackluster there drive was summary. one touchdown scored in the entire game, despite the 21 points, because of the safety and the bunch of field goals. Um, at one point, Kansas State actually scored a touchdown with a, a trick play pass to an offensive lineman that got called back for some reason. I don't remember what exactly it was, but they had a senior offensive lineman captain score a touchdown. I know, and that's I actually, how bad it was. Well, we actually felt it was going so poorly that I think kind of felt bad. Most for the of us felt line. bad. Yeah. Oh, that dude lost his touchdown. He had a chance to get the Piesman, and <laughs> the, it, it didn't. It didn't work out because it's not going to count. I, truly, though, I remember watching that play, thinking, "Well, of course." I, I, it should have held up. I was like, no, that should hold up. We deserve to be scored on by a reception of, by an offensive lineman. Yeah. So you were 3 of 12 on third down that day, 0 for 2 on fourth down. You had 181 total yards. You were 19 of 30 passing for 150 yards, 5 yards per pass with one interception, no touchdowns. 31 rushing yards on 26 attempts. You could not block anybody. You averaged 1.2 yards per carry. Mm. Mm. You only... Here's here's a silver lining in Kingsbury's era. You only committed four penalties in the entire game. Probably one of the least penalized against, against like Big 12 games he had. Kansas State, who is notoriously under-penalized. They, just, they have their reputation with Bill Snyder. They don't commit penalties, even though they do. You usually like you catch the back side, like the the wrong side of that matchup when you face Kansas State. You only had four penalties this game. You had three total turnovers on the day. You were minus two. So like the turnovers are what did edge you in, and then you just couldn't find a rhythm. You couldn't move the ball offensively past the first quarter. Was this also the no heaters on the sideline game? Yep, rumored and no jackets or whatever. Is that rumored or was that actually? Was that confirmed later? Did you confirm that on Twitter? I'm, I'm looking for Did you it reach out to the... <laughs> I can confirm that Tech is playing Kentucky in the SEC Challenge this year for basketball because I saw it on Twitter too, so I can confirm it. Okay, I'm pulling up a, a Don Williams article from November 20th, 2018, if it'll load. Cliff Kingsbury, this is it's kind of a clever line. Cliff Kingsbury keeps taking heat for letting players get cold Saturday in Manhattan. <laughs> Being warm, the Texas Tech coach pointed out, made no difference two years ago when the Red Raiders lost 66 to 10. Tech lost 21 to 6, producing Kingsbury coaching era lows of 181 total yards and 150 yards passing. So those were lows for Kingsbury. Um, under circumstances such as those, more factors than usual can come in for criticism. In this case, no heaters on the sideline. Confirmed in this article. Man. Kingsbury said his during his Tuesday press conference, it was his call 
not to bring any. Having the experience we had a couple years ago with the jackets and heater, we all kind of huddled around them and weren't into the game, referring to the blowout loss to Iowa State, so we decided to go without them this game. Saturday's conditions included temperatures in the 30s that dropped to 29 at the end of the game, north wind near 20 miles per hour, gusts near 40. Kansas State players huddled around six heaters on the sideline. Echoing his position after the game, Kingsbury reiterated on Tuesday that he didn't believe not having heaters was a factor in his team's performance. I mean, he may be right, but that's that's one of those hindsight things where you go, why? Why'd you do that? What was What was the real point in doing that? No idea. You want to do you want to hear my number 1 loss? I'm ready. I bet I bet most everyone can guess it. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to share a few quotes and then you'll you'll we'll probably all guess what it is. No, I'm just going to say what it is. Okay, 2014. It's the the eternal shit show in <laughs> Fort Worth of TCU completely railroading tech 82 to 27. That number will be ingrained in my head. 82 to 27 until the day that I die. 82 to 27. 82 to 27. Uh, just a few tidbits. That was one of the few games where I sort of lost it in the comments section. I, I try not to do that, but sometimes it happens. I, I don't I don't really get involved in the game day posts. I, I don't either. This was on a Monday. Oh, <laughs> I had let it stew. And, and um, this was in the old... Uh, Viva the Matadors days. Oh, you had to go back into that cesspool. Yeah, that was where it was. So I went and dug some of them up. I'm not going to read all of them because that sounds self-aggrandizing or whatever the word is. But I did read Labar had the unfortunate short straw of writing the recap for this game. And so I picked picked one of the sentences that he... First of all, I think the heading was something like embarrassed or embarrassment. But he had this great couple of sentences. He said, the defense also couldn't stop TCU if they were chained to the field. They only forced three punts and let them score on 13 possessions. Good gosh. I'm, I'm surprised we forced any punts at all. I know, I know. And so then for me, I, I just remember this game just, it really hit me hard. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was hearing that stupid horn go off so many times because I watched it to the very end. I watched it to the bitter I end. I did not. We had a, a party, but I was, I was grateful to turn the game off. And that was Seth too. He, his, um, his 10 things post that he usually puts out, he had a one thing post and it was much shorter and he had kind of, the same thing had happened to him. He'd had some uh, prior engagement, so he wasn't able to watch the game live, but he saw the score and thought, you know, I'm not really sure I'm even going to watch it. But then on Monday... I have not watched anything about this game since I left during the broadcast. <laughs> but then on Monday during that, uh, you know, he I think he just posted a few links. It was like a morning link thing. I just started unloading. and I, <laughs> The morning steak. Yeah, I couldn't handle it. Even the Matador days. And I was just... I, I threw in a couple of things through the comments. And I even told the guys at one point, I think I said, sorry, everyone, my thoughts are all over the place today. I'm just word vomiting. But I wanted to share a couple of things that I pointed out oh, please do. during that time. One of them was that we had five penalties in the fourth quarter. A false start, two offensive holdings, a PI, and a roughing the passer. This is while the game was well in hand. Yeah, oh, completely. It was, I think I started saying garbage time began 11 minutes left in the third. 
I think that's really when it started. That that may have been generous on your part. Uh, we were looking at second and 26, third and 19, third and 24, then second and 24 in consecutive drives. <laughs> that happened four times in a row. Uh, after that game, we were 71st in red zone conversion, which turns out we can actually get worse than that. Yeah. That's, that's the 71st definitely. wasn't that bad. We thought it was bad at the time. That's only like halfway through. I <laughs> know. Y'all remember, this is 2014. We won four games that year. This was not one of them. Uh, Spoiler alert. (laughs) What else did I say? Um, One thing I wanted to ask was, when can we give up on the hurry-up offense, burn some clock, hurry-up offenses, only make things worse when you can't score, which I feel like like is something we've said a lot. I like how you... in regards to burning some more clock, he said Mahomes' mo- mobility may take more time off the clock, so that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, because this was when <laughs> the fact that Mahomes would be running around for his yeah. life. This was like his freshman year. This was when Mahomes was untested, and That's when he was bad. <laughs> and and uh, you know, luckily, I was even then. I was because people were talking about you know throwing a quarterback in and you know trying trying Mahomes in. I said, all right, let's get back to that. That's fine to let Mahomes take some snaps. I don't have a problem with it. I also don't have a problem with Kingsbury leaving Webb in after his three or four turnovers while bail him out. And then this was how de- depressed and dejected I was. I said, it's just that I don't think it matters who's back there at this point. <laughs> there are so many other ways we'll defeat ourselves. Balls will bounce right off our receiver's hands no matter who's throwing them. I will say that Mahomes' mobility may take more time off the clock, so that would be nice. Yeah. Anyway, I... would I seldom do that sort of thing, but man, I just had a meltdown on a Monday. I had had time to process this game, and I still couldn't process it. I'm, I'm almost interested to go back and watch like a recap of this game just to, to relive the disaster. I almost feel like we should because is it truly your number one? Do you think it's your number one worst loss? I don't. I really. It's definitely mine. I think it's most everybody's. But you know, everything's. What year was that? That was fourteen. Um. It probably would be up there, like right at the top of the list, if I had watched the whole game. Okay, i I don't remember it as much because I was probably out at halftime. I mean, at half you were you were down thirty seven to twenty. Right. I think they scored a field goal at the end of regulation because yeah, well they no. had they allowed. Um, I forgot how this happened. I, I need to look up. Actually, let me. Let me see the sequence of events that that this happened. In the last 48 seconds of the half, TCU kicked two field goals. And I can't remember. Oh, we fumbled. That's Mm -hmm. what it was. TCU kicked a field goal with 48 seconds left. Tech got the ball. Uh, So I'm looking like halfway through the third quarter, there's a 92-yard touchdown pass. And Webb fumbled. And they TCU recovered, and then they kicked. A, they ran a few plays and kicked a field goal. So they they kicked two field goals in forty eight seconds, and so we were down thirty seven to twenty at halftime. Thirty seven to twenty. Hey, being down seventeen, that's not good. But you still think, as a Tech fan, hey, what do you know? Maybe something will happen. But you don't think that you're going to get outscored forty five to seven in the second half. I mean, that's a terrible. We just railed. For 15 minutes, about losing 41 to seven in for an entire game. game, you were outscored 45 to seven and a half in the half. <clears throat> TTU allowed 785 yards and 32 first downs. They had four turnovers, and I think all of them were from Webb. 
I think he lost two or three fumbles and had a and no, three of them were from Webb. He lost two fumbles. He threw an interception and Mahomes threw an interception. Those are your four turnovers. Uh, and then the drive summary. I don't even want to read the drive summary. So it's let, not let good. Let me just say after the first at the end of the first quarter, it's a twenty-four to seventeen game. Yeah. So looking at one quarter versus the last three, it's a touchdown game. To then ending the game with a fifty-five point swing, or, or fifty-five point spread. Yeah. And they ran out of fireworks. That's the other big thing that everyone likes to bring up. <laughs> TCU ran out of stinking fireworks because they were scoring so much. So let me—I I will read TCU's drive summary though because that's really depressing. Touchdown! Touchdown! Field goal! Touchdown! Touchdown! Punt! We did get a punt. Field goal. End of half, but that was also a field goal. Touchdown, 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 punt, touchdown, touchdown. That was just a super low point. Tech went on to, you know, at that point in the year, of course, TCU was ranked number 10, but who cares? Uh, at that point in the year, Tech was 3-4, and four, having knocked off powerhouses Central Arkansas, Barely, forty-two to thirty-five. I remember that. I um, think Shimanek played some in that game. Uh, UTEP barely, thirty to twenty-six, and then we were steamrolled at home by Arkansas, which was mentioned on the previous podcast. Uh, we lost by a respectable ten points in Stillwater. We got steamrolled in Manhattan by Kansas State, forty-five to thirteen. Uh, I think we blew a. Oh, no, I remember this. This was the last-second field goal where we lost the against West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. walk-off field goal. So Where you were up by 17 with like five or six minutes to go. It seemed like it. Yeah, it was something crazy. Was it that one? Uh, hang on, hang on. I've got some notes here. October 11, 24. No, we were up 21 to 10 at the half, and then we lost 37 to 34. We weren't up by seven. That was not the 17-point game we lost. Against West Virginia, that was that's another a, one. That's another one. That was good, a, good, good. I think that was in um, that was in 2017. Tech was they allowed 22 unanswered points and lost against West Virginia and Morgantown. Well, yeah, that's not what I want to talk about. But anyways, so you lose those four, ending with West Virginia. Then you host Kansas. You beat them. Yeah. And then you lose to TCU. Yeah. Lose to Texas, where you have. Vinny Testaverde as your leading passer in that game. Oh, gosh. I forgot about that. You lose to Oklahoma. You beat Iowa State on the road. What? (laughs) And then you lose by two versus number seven, Baylor. When you're four and seven and you're playing a top ten team and you lose by two. Right, and Mahomes played in that game and everyone kind of was a little, hey, this kid... It's Mahomes' kid. Yeah, he's so, gonna be pretty good. Going back to the fireworks thing, I don't know who Drew Martin is. I think at the time worked for TCU because right now his Twitter handle is at Hookem underscore Drew. Okay, so he may work for Del Conte, who used to be the AD at TCU, is now over at Texas. How prolific is TCU football's offense this year? 
In yesterday's 82 to 27 romp over tech, we shot all the pyro we ordered. Dot, dot, dot for the season. That's what happens when you score 13 times. <laughs> Somebody replied to him, that's my favorite side of the year. He replies to this dude and says, my guy radioed me after we hit 68 and said, I only have enough for one more touchdown this season. Then we scored two. Oh, <laughs> uh, you can only laugh at it at this point. All right. So those that's are, it. Those that's are, definitely the worst one. Those are our worst <laughs> six games. Um, I do want to recognize Cooper Burnett sent in a, a list of his own this afternoon. A 2014 TCU we just talked about. 2016 TCU was, was on your list. Mm-hmm. The seven fumbles, 11 ISU, I think was on your that list. That was on my your list three too, games. yeah. 09 versus A&M, which I think was a fat little girlfriend's line. You're right. That was, was on it. our, uh, it may have been our honorable mention. If not, it was in contention. Yeah, we had definitely discussed it, maybe off air. Uh, 2011 Kansas State, 2016 West Virginia, 09 Houston. That was on my honorable mention until yeah. real late, and I cut it. 2017 Oklahoma State, uh, which I think was the first like um, Southwest Conference throwback that we wore. It was the the red jerseys that looked really slick. Liked them. Uh, 2018 Kansas State, which I talked about, and then he says every OU and you. you UT loss, which I think we did some quick math. We've lost to OU nine times in that stretch, and to Texas seven. So that's fourteen. I mean, that's sixteen L's right there. And then he he adds this little bit of detail. That 2011 game, we were number eighteen, four and two. The I- Iowa State game. Yeah, sorry. One week after beating OU, set a Jones attendance record at that time. Oh man! Against a three and four Iowa State who was, for the first time, starting a true freshman quarterback, Jared Barnett, who proceeded to light us up to the tune of 41-7. to Yeah. Cooper, that one sticks with me, too. Is there anything else? No. I mean, there's a couple more questions. Did you see that some people kind of wrote in and made some comments? No, but I'll check that out right now. Um, but yeah, we're going long, guys. We know. Also, just know that we will be doing... Like, like we mentioned before, the plus side, we're going to do the winnings, yes. the auto mention wins, and the, our top three each. Um, Sylvia K. When, when I send out the picture of the Jakeem Grant mm-hmm. pass interference, OMGs, that pissed mama off. What a horrible call. <laughs> um, what a great comment. That's perfect. J.D. Smith, does 2008 Oklahoma count? I think it should. Unfortunately, no, because we were doing the past decade. 2008 fell, falls off. 2008 Oklahoma is probably on my top worst losses that I've ever experienced as a fan. Period. So and yeah, I, think I would definitely if if we had started at 08, we purposefully left off 08, yeah. just so we wouldn't have the easy answer of you know beating Texas was and then losing, yeah, and so we could have an even 10 years, an yeah. even 10 seasons. But if it was in there, uh, yeah, I mean that's one of the worst that, losses I've ever experienced. Would, that would be up there for me too. I think because of expectations, expectations, too. and you had. At least for me, we had we kind of touched on this. You know, you beat Texas, and then the almost even more importantly, you beat Oklahoma State the next week, and you throttled them like fifty-five to twenty-one or something. Mm-hmm. You did not There's have not that let down, and that's what we're used to seeing. And so that kind of made you a believer, and then you drop a huge turd up in Norman. Yeah, Red Raider Reset Man asked, "Who is going to win a national championship first, basketball or baseball?" 
I don't know. It's going to be a race. And it's going to be fun to watch. I feel like we can really. I think we've been asked this before, and probably whatever I say today would be opposite of what I said the last time. But mm, I'm. Le- I say baseball I'm, is getting like closer and closer. But then like I'm leaning towards basketball right basketball now. Basketball like just like reached up and played in the title game this year. Yeah. Now it may be where I think it's difficult for basketball to do that is just how hard it would be to repeat that, to get all the way back there. Right. Whereas baseball, you're seeing they're getting basically every time they go back to Omaha, they win one, one more game than they did the previous trip. The, the only, my only argument with that is basketball. If you get sometimes just two or three guys that are Matt Mooney and Tariq Owens. Yeah. That are better <laughs> than exceptional. Yeah. If you get like Tariq Owens, Matt Mooney, Jared Culver, Culver on your team, then you're going to be in good shape. Whereas baseball, you've got to have a lot more pieces kind of fall into place. That's my only argument with there is just sheer manpower. Okay, so you know what we failed to mention hour and a half in? Hour 40 in? The UK game? The Big 12 SEC Challenge was set for 2019, I, I sort of dropped it during there somewhere, but yeah. The Basketball season? Man, I, that's Texas Tech be will be hosting the Kentucky Wildcats. Dan has already booked two hotel rooms in case something falls through, and he's trying to book flights, but he can't because it's too early. That's just, Dan's crazy. coming. This is this is fantastic. He's news. breaking his his Lubbock. Oh no, he he'll break it for for basketball. Okay, but not and for he, football yet. He yeah, but he may come up for football. Maybe not. Yeah. Um. So that, that was the end of our questions, unless you had something else on a different account. No, I don't see anything. Okay. I, I didn't even see the tweet go out. My bad. I would have retweeted it. Oh, you're such a failure. No, what a bad co-host. Um, we're we're going we're gonna to breeze through Going Yard. So I, I did end up lifting, raising up all of my sprinkler heads. I don't know if you, you guys have been following me. They were, well, not all of them, sorry, all the rotary heads, the ones that turn. Yeah. Um, most of them had settled. So like they're four-inch pop-up heads, I think. Some of them were like up to three inches below the dirt line. So their four inches were getting up like only an inch above the dirt. So basically just dug out around the head, unscrewed the head from the, the, the feed line, put this 75 cent riser on it, which you can cut off depending how much you need to rise, screwed it back on. And then all the heads pop up above the grass now. There so you go. my yard is getting evenly or most of my yard is getting even watering again. The side yards when they have the pop up that just that don't rotate, just spray. I need to figure out how they connect because they need to be raised up too. Otherwise, my, my yard's been struggling. This the heat the past couple of weeks been we hit like 105, like five or six days in a row. Oh god, yeah. And my sprinklers were not watering evenly, so there's some spots that were dry and struggling real hard. Especially since I have a cool season grass. I know, <laughs> um, man. So that's been fixed. I've been I'm watering every day this week, and then I'll start backing off again now that the grass is growing. Um. And it just happened to line up nice with this little break in the weather. It was 80-something degrees yesterday, 80 degrees today. And it'll get back up into the 90s, low 90s this week. So we're – it's it's been nice, except for the, the yard being almost toast. Do you have any yard updates? I My going yard Michael? update is uh, the yard guy that my mom uses, she's too cheap to get him to edge. So uh, she had me come over and edge her front the yard the other day, and it took a while. <laughs> to edge? Yes, because I think it was edged at the beginning of the season, mm. and then we had all that rain and all that other stuff. And if you're not maintaining it, yeah. It oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, But it looks nice now, so we're in good shape there. That's, that's 
that's my going yard update was I went and helped at mom's yard. Nice. Um, what do we learn? I learned a couple things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it short and I say that. Oh, dang it. We I always say that. I just screwed myself. Uh, I learned that watching photorealistic lions try to emote and sing. Oh, is this the Lion King? Yeah. It's, I haven't seen it yet. It's, um, is it disturbing? I wouldn't say Unsettling. disturbing. I, I don't want to say too much because you haven't seen it. I mean, it's not like I'm going to spoil it. You know what happens. You know the story. But I don't want to spoil the experience for you. So I'll probably just stop there and I'll let you see it. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is just there's too many people driving golf carts around like they're cars. And I'm that old man yelling at a cloud. <laughs> Wondering what the hell's going on. If people in my neighborhood drive golf cart carts around, I don't know what they're doing. Are they going to go check on cattle? Are Get they off my lawn? What, what are they doing? There was a there was a woman who drove by with her dog in her lap <laughs> on Saturday morning that prompted me to tweet about this golf cart phenomenon that's been going on. There's a couple that goes around with it's like a little toddler, like a two or three year old, and she's not strapped in and she's not. That's not safe. No, nah, yeah, and she's not wearing a helmet or anything like that. And it's not like they're doing donuts or doing something crazy, but you just things can happen. You just never know. And there's other instances I see around. And and, and I live in a very non-gated community. I mean, it's just a it's just a neighborhood. It's just regular streets. People are driving through. There's trucks driving through because there's mm-hmm. a bunch of houses going up out out here. You know, uh, south of me. So I. I don't know. And then today, to top it off, uh, my friend, friend of the show, Chad, friend of the show, Chad Hasty. He he. Uh, when I talked about this on Twitter on Saturday, he tweeted something like, "Does United have a a parking spot for golf carts yet?" <laughs> and kid you not, tonight we go to United, and I'm and I'm about to wheel into this spot. But guess what's parked there? Is it? Not not a golf cart, but like one of those like razors or whatever. No, like it's a UT. golf it's a golf cart. <laughs> you should have parked behind it anyways. <laughs> I I can't. He, it was one of those where it's just kind of like you know how you 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 think you're going to wheel into a spot, but it's a short little car or it's a motorcycle, and you're like, oh man. So I was I was starting to wheel into it, and I realized it was a stupid golf cart, and I got should, so mad. You should just pushed it out. I could have. <laughs> <laughs> like. That would have done no damage to you. The, cam- I mean, the Camry's got enough torque. Oh, it is the Camry, not the truck? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the truck. Oh, it, it probably would have been fine, too. <laughs> I think so. But anyway. Except I, if it, like, tipped over and that like, got caught on something and it gets what, up under the car. What are you people doing on your golf carts? What are you doing? Why are you taking that, like, if those On residential streets. Those aren't road legal. Uh, th- there's someone on Twitter said that they think it may be um, thinking that, that the person driving the golf cart might think they would have avoided DWI because they're in a golf cart instead. <laughs> And I'm thinking, well, if that's the case, if really someone is drunk getting in a golf cart and then driving, oh, that seems worse. So it was this the one on, on 82nd Street? Uh, or 98th. 98th and Quaker. It was the Market Street. Yeah, so there's that those those bigger, nicer homes around that. Yeah, I could see why. Yeah, I think someone from around from. Lake Ridge was, <laughs> and he was in front of me. Just wheeling out there. He was that. in front of me in the express line because I went in. <laughs> Solely to buy a half gallon of tin roof bluebell. That was all I went in for. 
Did, did, did you make sure it was non-licked when you, like, did you open nah, it? Nah, it's fine. And, That's okay. fine. You, you know, it's frozen. It's good. <laughs> but no, I, I, uh, and the guy, you know, maybe, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. I don't want to assume too much, but he seemed like he was slurring his words a little bit. Yeah, maybe. In front of me. So there could be some, there could be some smoke to that. Getting a little tipsy, get behind the golf cart and go to United <laughs> and buy your butterscotch pudding. I kid you not, that's what he bought. Butterscotch what pudding. F- <laughs> <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> and some sort of, he also had Bluebell, but I couldn't tell what it was. Uh, so he bought it. Probably something nasty like pistachio. Or $11 worth of butterscotch pudding and, and Bluebell ice cream. That's <laughs> and then got in his golf cart and rode disgusting. away. That's <laughs> disgusting. All right. So um, I can't remember what I was going to add on to one of those things, but uh, the city of Lubbock has started construction on University between 130th and Woodrow Road. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The sign that they put on the street says this road will close on J- July 15th. July 15th comes and goes and nothing. <laughs> 16th comes and goes and nothing. 17th comes and goes and nothing. On the 18th, on the Thursday, after they said they were going to close on a Monday. After you've gotten used to going to work your normal way for yeah. three or four days. They update the sign says road would be closed on the 22nd. Okay. So that was Monday. That was Monday this week. We leave Monday morning. Like We check on our way out Monday morning. Of course, it's early, right? Nothing. We, we coming up, we're coming home. Monday afternoon and they've put up the road closed signs, but haven't actually closed the road. And then today we drive by, they've actually closed off universities. Like, well, here's the thing. So they've got university closed off between 130th and just, just North of our neighborhood. But like, okay. It's like from 130th to 138th. All right. Kind of where there's some little shopping center over there. Mm-mm. Is that right? No. Oh, uh, there's nothing there yet, except for except for Cooper East Elementary School, which starts in three weeks. They have blocked off all three entrances to this elementary school to work on this this construction, which they started a week late. Oh man, they're they're trying to widen University because right now it's it's two lanes without even like a dividing like painted stripe down the middle. It's like yeah. it's like the Wild West. That road And there's is, a steep drop off on either side of that. So yeah, they're they're too. gonna have to like build up the the dirt around it and then expand it to three lanes. I think they want to do three lanes in like the middle turn lane or something, especially for parents that are trying to turn to the school. They've got three weeks to get that done. Or cut a new entrance to the school. I hope they're working right now as we record I, this. I have really, really like I'm, I'm seriously doubting they're going to get anywhere close to finishing this road. Yikes. They say the whole project between 130th and Woodrow would take 90 days. I was like, well, school starts in 21, so I don't. <laughs> and there's there's a lot more south of 138th to Woodrow, which there are like two more entrances entrances to our neighborhood down there. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with getting in and out of that. And then 90 days, like that's now creating some traffic issues getting to the high school, which is down there. This was like, if you had a 90 day project to fix this road, you should have started like on May 15th, whatever the last day of school was like, close it then. Oh man. And then they're just going to come back through in a year or two and, and then start that loops coming through. It's going to be a disaster. Oh my gosh. All right. So that's what I learned. Um, we're, we're way, this is a little luck and we'll do the rest. (laughs) That was not where I expected that to start. 
However, that was a little Kevin Costner there for you. It sounded like. Yeah, it was. We're gonna we're gonna head out with a little bit of Yellowstone. One of my top shows going on right now. For Michael, I'm Spencer. We will catch you here in a couple weeks to discuss our honorable mention top wins of the past decade. Thanks for joining us on the 23 Personnel Podcast.